Welcome to the Inside Selling Podcast. My name is Josh Braun. Today we're talking about how to stand out in the sea of sameness by creating personalized videos. And for that conversation, I'm talking with Penelope Yamuchi. After sending 22 videos, 44% of prospects responded and 9% booked a meeting with her. Penelope is also a Pac-10 collegiate champion swimmer. I now bring you Penelope Yamuchi. So Penelope, thanks for joining us today. You're so welcome. I'm grateful to be here. So before we get going, tell people a little bit about your interests, both professionally and personally, if you'd like to share. Yes, absolutely. So professionally, um, really goes back to my days as an athlete. I grew up as a college swimmer and shortly after college worked in sports, worked my way into recruiting where I was actually helping athletes land jobs. And then here at Vendition, we're dedicated to the same mission, helping folks break into their first sales role or make a career switch. So the fuel behind what I do in sales and my passion is built on something where I can help people and help them achieve things in their own life. And when it comes to my personal life. I really enjoy working out. Anyone who knows me knows I'm super into personal development. So if anyone's listening and wants to connect on that, I'm always open to connecting. 400 meters in four minutes and 22 seconds. That's uh, I am 400. I am in, in 422. Is yeah. that, that's pretty, that's, that's fast. I guess that was California, yeah. like in your competition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for those who don't know, 400 individual medley is four lengths of each event. And it's pretty brutal because in some ways it feels like a sprint, but you're going for 400 meters. So definitely something I enjoy training for requires so much discipline and has helped me apply that to what I do now too. In what way? Definitely the monotony of staring at a black line on the bottom of a pool for four hours a day with your teammates and you're kind of in your own head. It's a lot like cold calling or sitting down and doing a video block. The consistency, showing up for yourself, being dedicated and not making excuses and knowing that those little things every single day are getting you towards a goal. When I would go a best time, I'd look up at the clock and immediately get excited, but think about what's the potential for me to do even more. And I think it's oftentimes what SDRs or AEs face when they have a successful week or month or quarter, they're thinking about, okay, if I'm capable of that, what can I do next? What about those days where you're there at 5am and you're looking at the black line and you're just like, man, like not today. I mean, do you have those days? And if so, how do you sort of push through those days? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to focus on other people or encouraging other people. In swimming, you typically have three to four people per lane, and there's someone in the lane who's going to be a lane leader. And I always made the intention, no matter the day, I'm going to be the lane leader. If I'm good at this stroke or good at this particular drill, I'm going to lead the lane. If I'm having a bad day, I'm going to focus on that person in the back, encourage them inspire them, hopefully cheer them on because me encouraging them makes me feel better and kind of brings me back that energy that I need to. And then how do you look at situations where you've done all this work, you've put in the hours, you're practicing diligently, you're showing up at 5am, you're swimming for three or four hours, and then you don't win uh, or you don't do as well as you thought you could do. How do you view that? Yeah. For me, I had an internal voice inside of my head constantly telling me what I can improve upon. And that's something that I needed to work on over the years because in ways it can push you to do amazing things, but it can also be super unhealthy. 
really it's a point of reflection. Did I go my best time? If not, why did I not go my best time? I've been showing up in practice. I've been hitting these sets, focusing on my nutrition. Everything's going well, but what haven't I done? And a lot of that came down to the mentality. It's so similar to sales too. What haven't I done? And how do I feel when I'm actually writing these emails, making these cold calls, sending these videos? Because whoever's on the other side is going to receive the same level of energy. Is it sometimes the case in swimming that you do everything right and it just doesn't click that day? I mean, the analogy that comes to mind is, you know, Tiger Woods back in the day was yeah. the best golfer. And so him missing a putt would be like very unusual. I mean, he would make these putts almost 99% of the time. But then there was a situation that happened once or twice where he just, you know, missed the putt because, you know, he's not, it's not perfect, I guess. Or there's things mm -hmm. that happen that are even beyond his control. Like maybe you know, the wind blew at a certain moment and it sort of like caused the ball to not get into the cup. Um, how much of it plays into that with, with regards to, hey, maybe it wasn't anything I did. Or do you always sort of take the responsibility of I could have done this a little bit better to have performed better? Yeah, I think it's always the mentality of I could have done something better because even if it's bad weather conditions, I remember competing against Cal and Stanford and I'm a Bay Area girl competing at Arizona State University and coming back and it's like, well, I could have packed better clothes. I could have warmed up better. I could have organized time to make maybe take that hot shower before or switch things up a little bit. It's never a accountability of like, this doesn't belong to me kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. Now, something about swimming, I'd love to get your perspective on this because I swim a little bit, like not at your level, mm -hmm. obviously, but I took swimming awesome. lessons as an adult and I, and I realized when I first started learning how to swim, I was working really hard, meaning I was kicking and moving my arms really fast and I was getting out of breath very quickly. And then I took some swimming lessons and I was taught a technique. Um, and after some practice, I was able to swim rather effortlessly for like 35 or 40 minutes. Um, how much of it is technique versus effort in swimming and also in prospecting? Is there a little bit of both there or what, what's the deal? I, excellent that you are doing that and you've gotten these lessons and you've seen the improvements because I felt similarly when I was striving to train for a half marathon this past year of like I'm putting in so much effort but not getting the results. Um, it is so much about technique in swimming and figuring out how you can have a better feel for the water and then practice the consistency even when you're burnt out. So what I mean by that is like, let's say you're trying to improve your breaststroke, Josh, and you get, you get down the technique, you're improving, you're doing well, but then as soon as you get tired, your technique improvement is completely lost. I think that happens a lot with sales reps where they aren't blocking out specific time while prospecting and knowing exactly how much energy they have to dedicate towards that activity before they face burnout. When I'm doing a video prospecting block and I notice myself not as cheerful, not as excited to do the next one, that might be an opportunity. Okay, let's go a standing desk. Let's go music. Let's take a walk around the house and come back to this or switch activities and come back later because the moment in which you lose your technique and your energy behind whatever it is that you're doing, you're not going to get the same results. And in video, people are really going to feel that. Yeah, it's a great point. So talking about swimming again. So if I was to go swimming, I couldn't really swim for like two or three minutes, right? That, mm -hmm. That's not going to be a really proper workout. I'm not going to really make a lot of progress swimming like two or three minutes at a time with regards to video prospecting or cold calling or sending, you know, emails that look like you care two or three minutes, mm -hmm. four minutes, not going to really probably help you make progress. If you were to go skiing, 
wouldn't make sense to go like one time down the run and be like, oh, I'll call it a day. So with regards to video prospecting, what's the optimal amount of time to spend where you strike the right balance between getting into a flow state and burning out? A lot of it is the preparation that goes into your video blocking, having a spreadsheet or a list in outreach or whatever sequencing tool that you use. These are the folks that I am dedicated to getting through within my time block. There's all kinds of research out there showing that if you focus on something for 90, more than 90 minutes, you begin to lose focus. So I try to keep those time blocks within 90 minutes. But going back to your energy that it took for you to, to swim consistently at that pace in the beginning versus what it is now, Josh, there are so many people that are very uncomfortable being on video for the very first time. In their two, three minutes is going to feel like 90 minutes in that first time. And as they build towards that 90 minute block, they're going to get better and better. So for those listening, if you're going going out there and you're doing your first video block, keep it short and sweet at first. I was reflecting and getting ready for this podcast with Josh Braun. He's an amazing name. Everybody knows who he is. And to be quite honest with you, I've done so many of these podcasts at this point that I wasn't nervous, wasn't thinking about what questions he's going to ask, knew he was going to be a great active listener and have great questions. And that's because I've been in, in situations before where getting ready for a podcast interview took a full day of energy, nerves, asking myself questions, doubting myself. So perfectly natural to go through that shift in getting towards your block. I better ask you some tough math questions. I mean, this seems like a layup for you. I better, I better throw some Pythagorean theorem at you, Penelope. So. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is so that's that's a great segue. So I read your post on LinkedIn. It seems like you sent about twenty two videos and you booked two meetings, but you got six or seven or eight um, responses. Some positive, some neutral, some you know no, no thanks right now. So it's a tremendously high response rate given how many messages that people get, not only from salespeople, but also from the outside world. I think I read somewhere that an average person living in an average city gets about 5,000 sales messages a day with internet and TV wow. and radio and on the billboards and on park benches. So kudos to you for sort of breaking through. Um, what I'd like to do is start with the process, and then we can certainly get into some messaging. And I actually have a clip here of one of your uh, videos on standby, which will sort of break through. But when you first start thinking about video prospecting, you know, like you start to swim, um, at least when I start to swim, I, I, I do some little stretches before I get in the pool and then I'll sit on the edge of the pool. Now, I used to sit on the edge of the pool for a long time. And then one day my coach said, you know, it's not going to get any, you know, cooler and warmer in the water. And he said, you know, three, two, one jump. And that's kind of what he taught me. He's like, three, two, one mm -hmm. jump. And I started doing that. And it was better because I would normally sit there for 20 minutes. But there's a sort of prep process I would imagine that you go through before you jump in the pool or before you start shooting video. So walk us through the, the sort of step one when you're thinking about making some of these videos. So many things, and it's actually a lot that I coach our candidates on at Vendition when they're interviewing for specific jobs. You need to make sure that your background looks great. This is a background that I have that makes me feel good about how it represents my personality. I have a lot of light that comes into my office. So I have blackout curtains that I shut and then I put the ring light on behind me. So I have good lighting on my face. And then I'm making sure that I have had a workout that morning. I've had my coffee. I've been drinking my water. I feel good going into this specific inner, you know, not interview, but 
video block. And so that preparation and energy going into it is something I do every single time. There's no way that I'm going to go make videos when my, my hair isn't looking great and I don't have a great outfit. And for me, that's important for everybody else. There's going to be a different situation. I'm selling to HR talent and sales leaders. And oftentimes they have the respect for their teams that are doing the same kind of outbounding, which I think is why my success rate is so high. There's a mutual respect. Hey, I've got a team of SDRs who I want to be sending videos. You're sending me a video and while it might not be a good time right now, or I'm not interested, I'm going to get back to you with some feedback or someone you can reach out to. Okay. So there's that piece of it is this mm -hmm. idea of a presentation layer, so to speak, like how yeah. I feel about myself. If I feel good, I'm going to, that's going to sort of beam through the camera lens. Mm -hmm. What other kind of preparation do you do before you start sending videos? Yeah, so it's really important to know what problem you're solving for that specific product pro prospect and why it matters to them. And not just a symptom, but like what is something that you've helped another partner in that similar space with that exact problem. And then you want to keep that part super short and sweet. So if you know going into your video prospecting block that you have a list of contacts, names that you're going to send these videos to, the problems that they might have based on a trigger that you noticed and how you're going to address that in your video, then the beginning part and the ending part is easy. That's just the rapport, something you notice in the closing and think about it like a sandwich method. That middle part is the part you need to prepare for most. Okay. So let's dive into this a little bit. Um, so no matter what you sell, your prospects are solving the problem today without you. So you are placing candidates and no company that you ever call is not placing candidates today. Somehow they're either, having a recruiting company do it, they have HR doing it, they have different ways in which they are rec recruiting candidates today. So I, to your point, step number one is learning what is potentially broken about the current way that they're doing it today. And then talk to me about what terrible, no good, very bad thing happens if they continue doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Depending on the stage of company, because we work with early stage tech startups who are hiring their first SDR all the way up to companies who have classes of SDRs, onboarding materials, training and all of that. But really you're thinking about what are the problems that a sales leader might face and a talent leader might face. The sales side of things, they want that SDR or salesperson in the seat as quickly as possible because the way that they're going about it right now is relying on their talent team to find those individuals. The talent team is posting job postings on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on these different platforms, they're getting referrals. The reason this is a problem is they get so many inbound applicants. People are hitting that quick apply button on LinkedIn. They're spending hours and hours sorting through resumes, trying to get to the right fit. In sales, we know that soft skills is such a huge aspect of this. And so Vendition eliminates that process of going through all the resumes, sources specifically based on soft skills, and then solves the problem for the sales leader of a loss of revenue due to open headcount. We all know that if that position is open too long, your class isn't starting, then you're stepping in as player coach and all of a sudden you're losing out on meetings. And then for the talent side of things, you have a specific time to hire goal and now you're spending all of your time sorting through 200 resumes. And guess what? Those top five that you selected to introduce to the sales leader, they're either one, not qualified or not the best candidates or two, they're all referrals and then your team isn't diversified. Diversity is so important amongst the sales team because a diversity of ideas brings new ways of growing the business and continuing that process. When we look at that entry level, you can really struggle loss of revenue due to headcount and then a lack of diversity. 
So I'm assuming that you've never been a recruiter before. How did you get such a good understanding of the problem? What was your process for being able to sort of get this in your head? There's a lot of LinkedIn influencers that I follow within the talent space who are talking about the different challenges that they face on podcasts on LinkedIn. And I really started out my journey with Vendition of finding those individuals and you, Josh, on the sales side of things as well. Who are those individuals? What problems are they talking about? How are they currently addressing in the market? And then as you begin to actually have these conversations with folks, if you're actually going beyond the surface layer of the problem, you're showing empathy, active listening, you're truly understanding what it is they experience on a day to day, you can get a better understanding of the problems that they face. But having come from a background of working for a recruiting agency, when I was helping athletes land sales roles before I joined Vendition, I got exposure to a plethora of different types of recruiters that face so many different problems. And the reason I got to the root of these problems was based on rejection, not getting back to us, not being interested in interviewing our candidates. And so you have to then reflect and look, is there actually a problem here for this recruiting team? And if so, what is it? And if there's not, we got to move on and we got to move towards a different direction. Yes, you bring up a good point. So one of the ways they might be solving the problem is they're working with a recruiter already. A recruiter makes Mm -hmm. the same promise that you're making, right? So I'm going to hope I'm going to find, you know, the highest quality candidates. I'm going to bubble them up to the top and traditionally the biggest objection with recruiters is man is that expensive and and i already have a recruiter so are you looking for people that are not using recruiters already or are you going to assume or presuppose that they're using recruiters already and if so are you going to in your messaging bring up the elephant in the room and Mm -hmm. help people understand well god this is just another recruiter and i get prospected by recruiters all the time And so how do you deal with that? Because again, that I'm assuming some people are using recruiters already. Yeah, we don't try to make any assumptions that folks are already utilizing recruiters. We know that they have a plethora of different resources they can rely on. And then if they are already utilizing a recruiter, we do have to address that elephant in the room, really understand if this is something they already have a stigma about of working with an external partner, what are the ways in which Vendition addresses this problem differently? One, a lot of times the objection is that recruiters will just get resumes and send that person right along without evaluating them, spending any time with them, identifying their soft skills, and then making that perfect fat fit and match. And then the other piece of it too is the way that Vendition's model is set up is to alleviate some of the stress of those typical recruiting agency fees that you see. So just like a candidate at the end of the interview would close by saying, you know, is there any hesitations about moving me forward to the next steps in that LinkedIn video or whatever you're prospecting, you want to bring that elephant into the room, say, hello, elephant, I know you're here. Nice elephant. And here's how we address that then move forward kindly with the rest of your video. And that can really help with the transparency and the candor that you build with that person. And we're going to watch your video in a second, but you did that in this video. You, you sort of brought up the cost objection, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of toward the tail end of there. So with regards to the, 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 the cost objection, which I would imagine that's a big one, which is they take about, I don't know, 25 or 30% of the first year salary. Is that usually about what it is? Um, how, do you, how are you different in that way? Yeah. So just to clarify, when a recruiter works with a company and they charge 20% of base salary fee, let's say we have a $50,000 SDR role, typically a company would pay a recruiting agency on top of that 
base salary that the candidate's making, another 10K fee, let's say, right? And the way that Vendition alleviates this is by having an apprenticeship to hire program where it's essentially cost neutral to hire from Vendition. So what that means is for the first 30, 90 days that somebody starts in their position, they're working for that company for 40 hours a week, they're on Vendition's payroll, the company pays Vendition, and then we pay the candidate, and it all is neutralized of like the fully loaded OTE benefits, everything that would go into the fully baked SDR role. So if you're already paying six to eight K per month for a candidate to help them onboard ramp pay benefits, why not partner with Vendition to get a more access to a more diverse and qualified candidate pool? Do the same, evaluate them while they're getting extra support and mentorship from Vendition in those first 90 days. And then the other is really interesting is a subscription model. So if you have more than two SDRs or sales folks that you're hiring for the year, we bring down the cost significantly at a fixed cost for the entire year where you get unlimited hiring. Mm. So the, the onboarding is, is also the promise that you are going to get them ramped quicker as well because you're, 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 you're sort of providing some professional development as well. Is that also part of the equation here? Yes, both the professional development, social, emotional, and behavioral skill set assessment, identifying where are their strong points and their weak points, and then meeting with both the sales manager at that company as well as the candidate on a weekly or biweekly basis to address some kind of challenges that they might be facing, whether that be LinkedIn video, writing emails, using utilizing the tools. And there's all kinds of case studies. One, for example, like with Asana, where the SDRs that went through Vendition had significantly higher rates of quota attainment and the faster track to the account executive role. So we all know that mentorship helps and Josh is a virtual mentor to me. I have so many virtual mentors on the podcast that I listen to. So it really is important in that salesperson's journey. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Um, how many of these do you do in a given week? I mean, we talk a little bit about we can't just go swimming once a week in a pool for two minutes. Yeah. Um, there is some quantity that's involved in this. Um, talk to me a little bit about volume, you know, that you do with regards to video. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, do you look at it yeah. a per weekly thing? Do you look at it as a per day thing? So really how it's broken down is each day that you're prospecting, if you're an SDR or an AE, you're going to have a certain target number of accounts and individuals that you want to add to your sequences each day. For me, I try to shoot for five accounts each day. And within those five accounts, there's usually three to five individuals that I'm reaching out to. Within each of those individuals, my first touch is a cold call, email, and a LinkedIn connection request with some sort of engagement on their LinkedIn profile in that first day. And then everyone, Josh, that is accepting my LinkedIn request is getting a video. So it really depends on how many of those are actually re receiving my connection request and accepting. But on a given week, I make a commitment to myself, anyone that is accepting my LinkedIn request who has a sales job posting up right now and is active and is a great potential for us, that person's getting followed up with. So it's almost like you're, you're, you're sorting them out a little bit. You're not going to mm -hmm. send videos to everyone. You're going to look for a little bit of intent, even if it's just someone accepting your invite and you're starting with a cold call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, um, cause a lot of people would think, well, why would you do that? It seems like you'd wait later to do that. The videos easier cold calling. You won't get them on the phone. What's your thought of like, let me make a call first. Yeah. 
there I've been prospected before <clears throat> where someone sends a thoughtful email. They connect with me on LinkedIn and they've also left me a voicemail. There was one woman and I'm forgetting the name of the company that she worked for, but it was later on a Friday that she had left me a voicemail and I had followed up with her on LinkedIn that same day when I returned from my meeting and Hey, I got your voicemail. Here's why we're not a fit, but let me open up my network to you for anyone that might be interested. So I think it's important for them to see your face hear your voice and understand that that's attached to this hyper-personalized email that you sent to them on that first day. Everybody's ICP is different, but for me and who I'm reaching out to, that seems to really resonate. So you, you will start with a cold call and if they don't pick up, you'll leave a little voicemail message. Yeah, absolutely. And it's usually nothing like call me back, but hey, this is Penelope. Noticed you have an SDR job posting. Would love to talk about ways we can team up. I'll try to catch you next week on email or LinkedIn, something like mm. that. But I want right. them to have that accountability of like, this is a real person, not just a machine. How come you don't ask them to call you back? Um, for me, I've gotten calls back from that type of voicemail where maybe they've thought I was a candidate before. People know there's, they're busy in their day. They don't necessarily have the time to be able to follow up with you. And it's kind of my job and on me to be persistent with that. So that's a great question. Have you experienced otherwise, Josh? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's a big debate out there. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any harm in it, um, but I also hear from salespeople that it feels kind of good to not leave your number because then they don't expect to get a call back and then they can sort of go on with their life. But when I leave mm -hmm. a phone number, I can also not expect to get a call back. Um, but sometimes yeah. if you leave a voicemail message that's a little intriguing, um, it can prompt a call back. And, and of course, we can get into this. What does it mean to leave an intriguing voicemail message? But I think it's no different than a video or leaving an email, it's another chance to make a message. And if someone's intrigued by it and there's a phone number there, uh, I've had it happen before where people have called me back, um, actually many times, and a lot of my clients, but I've never had anyone call me back when I've never left my number. Um, so kind of one of those kind of deals, but that's my take on it. Okay, let me, let's, um, yeah. with, with regards to your cold call, mm -hmm. um, I know we're gonna be talking about video soon, but I'm curious yeah. to hear how you approach cold calling um, maybe we could just do a little role play if you're up for it. Just like a little quick kind of see to just to get a sense of like your vibe there. I'll be one of these sales leaders that's looking to fill some SDR positions and I'm going to be Josh because that's my name. It'll be easy for me to stay in into the role play here and uh, I'll just pick up and I just want to kind of see the first like, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds of the call. Uh, are you up for that, Penelope? Are you game to play? Yeah, let's do it. We, we cannot fluster any kind of collegiate swimmer on this podcast. We've tried many times, but the collegiate swimmers are just never, and people that do Taekwondo, like Charlotte Johnson, just <laughs> whatever, just uh, something about it. Okay, so I'm going to pick up a ring ring. Hi, this is Josh. Hi, Josh. This is Penelope with Vendition. Did I catch you at a good time, if there is such a thing? <laughs> sure. How can I help you, Penelope? Yeah, so notice that you have an SDR job posting on LinkedIn, and it looks like it's been open for 30 days. How is that going so far? Okay, out of role play for a second. So I love yeah. that for one reason is mm -hmm. that you're getting to a question really early on in the call, mm -hmm. and you've actually asked two within about 15 seconds. And the reason I like that is because when you talk at people and when you explain things to people, they're going to zone out. Yeah. But when you ask someone a question, the brain has to hold up their end of the bargain, right? It has to sort of respond in kind. And if I were to say to Penelope, the best flavor ice cream in the world is chocolate, and I'm calling to tell you about our chocolate ice cream, it's going to be really easy for Penelope to say, no, it's not. The best flavor is X. But if I say, 
what's your favorite flavor? It's hard for her to say, no, it's not. It's X because we're asking a question. So I love that. So I'm going to say, well, you know, we, we've posted some things on uh, LinkedIn and uh, we're getting some, you know, addresses. We're getting some resumes. We're getting some cover letters, but we just, uh, we haven't filled it yet. We're also working with a, with a recruiter, but yeah, it's been up there for a, for a couple months now. Okay. Thanks, Josh. What about ideal time to hire? What does that look like for you as a sales leader? Okay. Out of role play a second. Again, again, really outstanding here because we're almost doing like a little mini discovery call, which is the opposite of what I typically hear on a cold call, which is the reason that I'm calling is that we've discovered a breakthrough and how we can find high quality, high quality applicants faster. And we're using to get, a, get us some time on your calendar. So I love this sort of discovery call. Um, we're looking to get people like within the next month or so because we're releasing a new product and we're looking to get some SDRs in the seats. Absolutely. And I know I caught you completely off guard here, Josh. Here at Vendition, we have a lot of pre-vetted candidates that align directly with what you described in your job description, which was very specific. That said, this is a crazy economy. There's no way people are partnering with recruiters. But here at Vendition, we have a way of essentially being cost neutral. Um, are you running point on these recruiting efforts or is that something you're teaming up with on talent? All right. Again, outstanding here because what we're doing is we're, we're, what you did is you're just proactively brought up the, as you put it, elephant in the room, the sort of primary mm -hmm. objection. Okay, so we're going to go out of role play. Oh, you know, this sounds really interesting, Penelope. Can you just send me an email and I'll take a look? If I send you an email, it's going to get lost in your inbox. I'm already connected to you on LinkedIn and I've got my calendar up. Let's say we book 15 minutes for Tuesday at 2. All right, so Penelope, so I'm going to, for you guys, you guys that are just not watching this, you're listening to this, what I'm doing now is I'm holding up my math multiplication flashcards that I do when I'm in oh, my no. workshops. And I, I have people like shout out the answer to this. So I'm, I'm holding up six times nine. Everyone shouts out 54. The prospect just said, send me some information. That's like saying I'm not interested. And you saw Penelope just rattle it off just like nine times six because she's heard that before and she's practiced it just like her swimming. So I would imagine you have, I don't know, five or six objections that you normally will hear or what I call resistance. How have, have you just committed those to memory? Because that came off the top of your tongue like, nine times six. I was, I'm a podcast student. I listen to a lot of different individual contributors on 30 minutes to presence club and millennial momentum that have taught me how to, but actually, um, utilized my professional development stipend to join the revenue lab recently. And I was noticing that I was kind of getting lost on some objections or the call would end too quickly. And the folks there gave me the advice of like, how about try responding to the objection with another question? And that has really, really helped me improve my ability to manage objections that I'm not as comfortable overcoming. So if they say, you know, our talent team handles that of like, what expectations did you have for your talent team on filling and how are they tackling that today, right? So you, even if you don't know what to say or you haven't practiced handling the objection, you can take the moment there to be act, have great active listening and ask a question. Yeah, and I love the other question you said, which was like, how's that, how's that been going? That's a really nice mm -hmm. sort of thing to say if you don't know exactly what to say. That can sometimes open up, uh, you know, doors because people will tell you how, how it's been going. Okay, mm -hmm. phenomenal. All right, let's get into your video. So what okay. I did here, Penelope was kind enough to share one of her videos with me, and I've downloaded it into this studio that we're in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play it, and hopefully you'll be able to hear this as well. And then I'll pause it at certain points, and I want to talk about um, the psychology behind what you're saying. We'll talk about the messaging. And then we'll also talk a little bit about your tonality. Um, so to tee this up a little bit, Penelope, can you give people some context? This is the video that you sent me 
uh, recently on LinkedIn. Can you give people some context as to who this person is and the potential problem that they have? Yeah. So this individual's name starts with a K. He's the director of sales at a company that's not headquartered in the U.S., but he's running U.S. efforts. They have an inside sales role opening. So that's a huge trigger for me that this is a great person to reach out to. Hey, Kevin, Penelope here. Thought I would shoot my shot in reaching out to you. Love your profile picture, by the way. And Hope you're gearing up for an awesome watch party to watch the Celtics play in the playoffs tonight. Notice that. Okay, let's stop there for a second. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about the, the psychology there. What's what's going on there? First of all, he has a picture of him playing basketball from his college basketball days, which is in his LinkedIn profile. Secondly, he's in the Bay Area right now, but I noticed he's played ball in Boston and they're playing in the playoffs tonight. I am not a huge sports person. I did play. I was a competitive athlete. I did work in sports after college, but I don't follow the playoffs. Just a quick Google, man, they're playing tonight. How exciting I can make that connection right there. And then when I did the shoot my shot like that, like how cool is that? That I'm being funny and I'm already showing part of my personality as I'm reaching out to him. How could you not keep watching? <laughs> hey, Kevin Penelope here. Thought I would shoot my shot in reaching out to you. Love your profile picture, by the way. And Hope you're gearing up for an awesome watch party to watch the Celtics play in the playoffs tonight. Notice that your team is hiring an inside sales rep in the San Mateo area that would be hybrid and wanted to share that we have pre-vetted qualified candidates that align directly with your job description. I know in this economy, it is crazy to think about the idea of paying extra fees to help support those recruiting efforts. But with Vendition, we're actually quite cost neutral when it comes to partnering with us to find Vendition candidates and hire them. So if that's something that you're interested in chatting more about, would love to connect. Either way, I had a really good time making this video. Talk to you soon. All right. So break down for us, again, the thinking behind those words. Mm -hmm. So you want to address the reason that you reached out, the problem that you think they might be having, which I did here. And then you want to identify that elephant in the room. I The reason I mentioned hybrid when I called out the inside sales role is a lot of teams right now are struggling to find folks who are willing to come into the office. And while I didn't address that problem by saying hybrid out loud, it's almost as though I addressed that potential challenge. And then I say in this economy, it's not likely. Why would you pay extra fees? But here's how we accommodate that. I ended that with, hey, thank you so much. Let's connect. I would love to connect. But if not, I had so much fun making this video. It's like you're making it easy for them to reject you or be kind or send a response if they don't like your video or if it's not a good fit at the end. And I do that with every single one. Either way, thank you so much for listening to my video or looking at my video. Yeah. I, so this is really interesting. Like, so if uh, you go to visit a friend in Malibu mm -hmm. and you say to that friend, Hey, I'm going to be in Malibu next week. When can we go to lunch? That's a lot of pressure because it's assuming that that person doesn't have anything going on and they can have lunch with you when you roll into town versus what you just did, which is to give people an easy out. That might sound like this. Um, Hey Jason, I'm going to be in Malibu next week. I know you are going through a home renovation project. So if you can't meet up for lunch, it's not a problem at all. Hopefully the reno is going well, right? So by giving people an easy out, what you're doing there is you're giving them control and giving them autonomy and agency over the decision. And what you're subconsciously saying is there's no pressure here. And so much of what we have to do as sales professionals is not to persuade, but to lower the zone of resistance 
that prospects always have around salespeople. So I think you did a, a phenomenal job with that sort of either way language, which I think mm -hmm. the subtext again is like, I'm not really like, I'm sort of in, of course I believe in what I'm doing and I have a hypothesis of how I could potentially help you, but I'm not like attached to it. I'm a little indifferent to it. And I'm certainly not desperate because look at me, I can swim a 200 IM in like a minute. You can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm Penelope, right? That's kind of the attitude there. It's almost like, um, I call, I'm going to date myself with an old movie reference that you might not know yeah. called Mean Girls. Have you, have you <laughs> Love heard, Mean Girls. Okay, so, so Regina <laughs> in that movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, she wouldn't give anyone the time of the day. I mean, she was an awful person, but that aside, because she was sort of like indifferent and not chasing people, everyone was kind of swarming to her. And I think in sales, we have a tendency to be that needy, desperate sounding person where we're following up and bumping and any thoughts um, whereas what you do here is a sort of detached at the end saying, hey, I had fun making this. Thanks for listening to it. You know, no worries either way. And I think you are going to stack the odds in your favor for at least eliciting more of a response from that. So, so really nice job there. Thank you. I got that from Brian Smith, who was my previous Vendition coworker, who I, I know you know as well, and now works at Muckrack. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right. I want to go back before we wrap up here, something that you said, and I should have asked you this earlier. Um, how you were brought up, yeah. you know, um, so talk to me a little bit about your mom, because so much of, I would imagine who you are and your DNA and your drive was how you were raised. What, what kind of family, uh, situation did you have growing up? Yeah. So my mom, first off, I'm five foot seven. My mom is six foot one, blonde hair, blue eyes, and full of energy. She has the type of like ability to influence people when she first meets them that you'll never forget her. You'll always remember that first interaction. And so my parents separated when I was five years old. My dad, um, we got to see him every other weekend. And then I was at swim meets on the weekends and my mom didn't have a college degree. She lost her parents when she was 16 and 21 and she's one of six children. And she's always had this mentality of like, I'll figure it out and she'll make something out of nothing. She'll go to the dumpster and create a beautiful room based on dumpster furniture that you would have thought spent thousands of dollars on. She would go into a coffee shop and just start talking to the person next to her as though they were her best friend. And slowly but surely over time, I started to realize that her grit, her tenacity, her comfort speaking to strangers was influencing me. She had me do my first job as a swim coach when I was 14, where I'd get paid $20 an hour to coach adults after swim practice once a week. But she wouldn't tell me, you know, here's the set you give them. Here's what you need to say. She would just say, go do it. And the first few times it was so nerve wracking, but then I started to gain confidence and realize I'm actually very knowledgeable. And these people who are receiving technique advice, like you, Josh are really benefiting from this and enjoying coming back. So that really influenced me. And to this day, my mom is still the highest revenue earner amongst all of us daughters that are all super successful in tech, which is super inspiring. And I just appreciate having gone through that adversity growing up because it made me who I am today. Did she sort of push you into this? Were there days where you were saying like, I don't want to do this. And she said, you're doing it anyway. Or were you more in intrinsically motivated and have the drive to, to, to teach swimming and to go to swimming? I mean, my, I have a brother who has yeah. um, a, a daughter and a son like you, um, athletic one's a wrestler. One was a softball coach. And there was a lot of like, seemed to me from the outside, a lot of like, you're going <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, was there some of that? Was there none of that? Like uh, curious to hear that, that perspective. Yeah, actually quite the opposite. I was really bad at school. I think I had some kind of learning disability and it was 
uh, maybe dyslexia to this day. I'm not really sure what the diagnosis was. My older sister got a 2270 on the SAT. She sailed through getting fives on her AP courses. And so for, for me, swimming was a place where I felt like a rock star. I felt so confident, improving. Who I was at swim practice was so different when, with who I was at school. And so one time I snuck out of the house when I was 16 and I got caught red-handed by my mom and she was very strict. And she said, you're grounded for a week and you're not allowed to go to swim practice. And I, I told her, I was like, absolutely not. I need to go to swim practice. I'm working towards this scholarship. This is going to mess up my training schedule. We have NCS coming up. And she was like, fine, you're going to go to both my master's adult practices and you're going to go to your practices. So for an entire week, I did both my double workouts and the master's workouts and I was exhausted. So she got what she needed for me to be, have the consequence and be so tired that I wouldn't want to go to all these social things too. So she was very, she was loving in a sense, but firm. It sounds like she was firm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Loving, but firm is so, so descriptive. And it also sounds like the, the sort of motivation comes from after you're doing the thing, you know, like. What occurred to me was I sometimes will wait to be motivated to go to the gym or to swim or to ride my bike. And oftentimes that motivation never comes. You know, I, I will get on LinkedIn or something and all of a sudden it's three o'clock. I'm like, oh, I'll do it, do it tomorrow. It sounds like what you do is like, I'm going to go do the thing first. I'm going to go to the master swim class and start teaching it first. And then the motivation comes after. Is that, am I reading that right? Like the motivation comes after the action versus waiting for the motivation to do the action. Josh, you're such a good interviewer. This is so enjoyable. Absolutely. And it actually reminds me, my fiance and I, we go to bed at eight and we wake up at 4.30 and work out with our neighbors in their gym garage. And we aren't happy to be waking up at 4 a.m. to get there by 4.30, but we are, our bodies are in motion. And by the time we're there, we're then motivated. So don't wait for the motivation. Do first and the motivation will come. All right, Penelope, I'm going to see if I can get up a little earlier tomorrow. This is going to be quite a challenge for me. See if I can't get up. Penelope, you have been so generous with your time. If people want to learn a little bit more about you or connect with you, what's the best way to go about doing that? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, Penelope Yamauchi. I don't think there's a lot of other Penelope Yamauchis out there. Um, I have a little rocket next to my LinkedIn profile, so that's the one with Vendition. And otherwise, I have an Instagram account called at coach.penelope, and that's where I connect with other athletes or folks who have non-traditional backgrounds that want to connect on a more personal level too. And I have one final question that I start asking people recently on my podcast. Mm -hmm. If you could have lunch with a smart person, mm -hmm. smartest person, live or dead, who might that be? Lewis Howes. He's the podcast host of the School of Greatness, who actually helped me transform from being somebody who felt a lack of confidence in the workplace. He interviews entrepreneurs, authors, athletes. And I started to recognize that there's all these people on his podcast that come from a similar background as me or have some sort of chip on their shoulder academically that were able to push themselves to achieve greatness. And so being able to sit down with him would just be amazing because it would almost be like an appreciation lunch of how he's impacted me. It sounds like you should make him a video, Penelope. I mean, the chances. Yeah, I think so too. I've actually met him in person and I, I was able to ask um, at this huge auditorium with thousands of people, ask a couple of questions. And at the end, when I met him, he said, you should really start a podcast. So that, that felt really good. Are you going to start a podcast? I have the equipment, Josh. I really need to get on this. 
I have a couple so of from, different ideas that I, I need to execute. So, so from what I hear from these people that I interview on my podcast, you got to actually make the podcast first and then you get motivated. I don't know. I, <laughs> you got to make hear, the podcast and then you'll get motivated. <laughs> that's what I hear. I don't know if it's true or not. I have no idea. It's just what I hear. I talk to you. Oh, man. Penelope, thank you so much for your time. You've been a really great guest. You're so welcome. It was an honor.